Gavin, did you bring your razzles? Did you bring your size? Did you bring your, like, army of children that Jennifer Garner has raised? Yes, exactly. I brought all of my miracles from heaven. Uh, where are they? <laughs> did you know miracles are everywhere? <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that from That's, people. I mean, from Jennifer Garner. From Je- yeah. Uh, actually, I didn't. That's the... Oh, yeah. wow. Um, I was very selective. Hi, everybody. Welcome Hi. To, the, <laughs> to the Mixed Reviews. This, um, it's been a little bit for us, but we're back. We're back. Uh, this is a, if this is your first episode of the Mixed Reviews, this is a film podcast where we take an actor or director or a film subject, sometimes a mini genre, and we sort of give you a history. We tell you what we like, we tell you what we don't like, and we talk about where it's going in the future. Yeah, we we mix it up. We do. And, uh, sometimes those reviews, they'll mix. They're mixed. Yeah. But before we get into our next subject, which is Jennifer Garner, yes, uh, we have some old business first. We do have some old business. Um, every episode, we tell you guys to please go to our Twitter and vote on um, what your favorite movie is on whatever our subject is. And so our last episode was about Michelle Yeoh. The luminous, the amazing, God. the super talented. Can we just talk about how, like, really quickly... Um, Crazy Rich Asians made a buttload of money. Yes. And absolutely. good on us. It's so funny. Somebody uh, that I didn't even know listened to the show contacted me and was like, I now have three more movies I added to my watch list. And I was like, heck yeah. We, three, we're three, doing like, God's work. Michelle Yeoh movies? Yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, so we asked you to vote. And in a landslide, I think this might be like the most lopsided victory <laughs> yeah. for any of our um, uh, polls. Um, 68% of you said Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is your favorite movie. I... I will go out on a on a thing and say that's probably the most seen on this list. Absolutely, and that's the yeah. reason. Yeah, um, our probably like only comparable one was when we did Diego Luna. Yeah, right. And um, people were like, "Itumama Tambien." Was he in anything else? And that's like, all. We yes, <laughs> we did an entire episode. Um, the lady came in at fourteen percent. That was my pick. And then um, honestly, filling out those two extra um, slots, I was like, "What will people know?" <laughs> And um, so Supercop and Memoirs of a Geisha both came in at 9%. Um, but there's so much goodness in her um, filmography. Uh, and yeah, we recommend so much. Absolutely. Um, so now, uh, leaving Michelle Yeoh behind, it is time to move into Garner County. I. So it's funny, you came in here like, I. why did we choose Jennifer Garner, first of all? Uh, we. We is a strong word. Um, don't... No, no, Gavin. Please. I was like, Gavin, we're doing Jennifer Garner, and that's it. And that's it. And then you stormed out of the room. Right. It was crazy. And then and I you, put you back in yeah, the cage. Yeah. And <laughs> you took your three assistants, uh-huh. and you waltzed out of the room. <laughs> this is slander, and I will not stand for this. Um, we both chose Jennifer Garner. We chose Jennifer Garner because she had a film, a film uh-huh. coming out called... Peppermint, right. which is not an autobiography of RuPaul's Drag Race contestant Peppermint, right. currently in Head Over Heels on Broadway. Please, Please go, go see it. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> we're not even sponsored. Whatever. We're not sponsored, but I, my life is sponsored by Head Over Heels. Yeah, it's so good. It's very, very good. Um, uh, we, well, like, so like, there was not a lot of movies that were coming out in this time, and that we right. thought would be like a good on top deep of, dive. On top of that, I was going on vacation. I was going out of the country. Your yeah. mom was coming into New yeah. York yeah. for her birthday. Right. So these are huge impediments, especially when you're trying to put together an omnibus view of right. someone's career. So it was somebody that was easier for both of us, that was more accessible for both of us, right. as well as somebody who currently had a film coming out. Right, and I will say... Easier, especially in the wake of Michelle Yeoh, where it took a little bit more work to find right. her movies just because of, like, the language stuff and all that. Right. Um, Let me tell you, you can walk to the corner, and <laughs> you've seen five Jennifer Garner movies right, on your way there. Right, 
Um, but you know what? I and I, I at first I was watching and I was like, man, there's not like a really like good meaty things to get into yeah. with Jennifer Garner. But I I gotta say I got I gotta stand up for my girl. Like as I kept going along and reading more about her and her career, I was like, she's kind of a lot more interesting, I think, than I gave her credit for. Um, and you know what? I gotta say it. I follow her Instagram now. I do yeah. it. I did it. I, 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 I understand that. I have to say, and I'm very worried about, um, not necessarily my brand. I think everybody knows my brand at this point. If you've mm, listened to all sad. 33 episodes, very sad. <laughs> Just sad. <laughs> Just sad and lonely. <laughs> um, but if, I worry that this might be the episode, especially if you listen to this back to back with maybe the Jim Carrey episode, where I come off like an asshole. Mm -hmm. So please, like, let me, before we really get into it, tell you that I have no ill will towards Jennifer Garner, and I think she is just... Fine. Wow. Yeah. And that's... What a change-up for you, being an asshole. Like, yeah. What a strange I, new thing. Yeah. It's, uh... What is this feeling? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exciting yeah, yeah. and new. Yeah. Um, the... I... Yeah. It's... I don't know. Why don't we just get into the rewind? Yeah. And then we'll I'm talk excited because you, you have the rewind I this do, episode. So I do. I do. Please, elucidate me. Jennifer Garner was born April 17th in 1972. That makes her age 46. So she's currently just 11 years older than me. Um, she looks great. She, oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Oh yeah. She is gorgeous. And that's not even like, I don't, uh, I almost don't even like, I always feel awkward, especially as two men, queer men, but two men talking about a woman. I always feel uncomfortable getting too deep, but like, she is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And like, like somehow both really sexy and also girl next door beauty. Like she, she's the whole package and I get, I absolutely get that. Yeah. Move on from there though. Um, so she was born in Houston, Texas, but moved to Charleston, West Virginia at the age of three. She's the second of three daughters. Total middle child syndrome. Garner girls. Yeah, exactly. She talks about the Garner girls a lot. And I'm glad you posted that article. If you go to our Facebook page, uh, Louis found a really good, uh, profile of her from 2016, just two years ago, I believe. Yeah, uh, it was on BuzzFeed and it was about, yeah. um, how Jennifer Garner has like transformed from sexy alias girl to like the, was it the like Midwest mom? The minivan of. majority. Yeah, minivan majority. Yeah. yeah. I, and I really like that term. Um, her father, William John Garner, worked as a chemical engineer for Union Car- uh, Carbide, and her mother, Patricia Ann, was a homemaker and later an English teacher at a local college. Um, as I mentioned before, both her siblings are sisters, uh, so there's a very strong, like you mentioned, Garner girls connection. Um, Garner has described herself as typical middle child who sought to differentiate herself from her accomplished older sister. Well, my mom just put us in dance and I wasn't as talented naturally as either of my sisters, but I was expressive. They would say, oh, she's very expressive. What I think is so funny and it it really clicked with me when I was reading more and more about Jennifer Garner. I was like, oh, she was a nerd. Yeah. Like, you know, she was a band nerd, like, dancing queen. Just, like, she really found the arts as a place to, like, be different. And, like, she's so kooky. Yeah. And it's it's incredible because she has the... Because she's so beautiful. But she, like, insides are just, like, silly billy. Like, if you see any of her Instagram stuff, like, it's just, like... 
And that's what I really like about her, actually, um, is I like that sort of sensibility, that, that sort of, like, um, I don't know, she feels unlike a lot of celebrities, right. like a real person. Right, and it's it's like she has that, like, theater weirdo yeah. kid thing. So you were saxophone? E-flat alto saxophone. This is Sally right here. Okay. This is the John oh, Adams Junior High Marching Band. I'm sorry, is Sally the name of the saxophone? Yes. Okay, well... <laughs> I there mean, are people Sally, in the, the photo sexy as well. saxophone, but you can call her Sally. Okay, if gotcha. You want. Yeah, okay? well, sure. That's that's Dave Foster. Okay. He was a trumpet. Oh, maybe that's not. Yeah. Nope. Yep. Yeah, no, there he is. Okay. So anyway, um, yes, this is parade formation. Clearly, I'm breaking per- parade formation to wave to my mom or something. Yeah. But you always would you always get punished keep... for that if you got caught? Yes. Breaking? Really? Yeah. What was banned punishment? You had to stand at attention and you had to walk. You know when you walk in a parade, you have to really smoothly go heel-toe? I did not. Did you not? Because you don't want to jostle your instrument. Sure, sure, okay. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I see, so it's real. Right, so yeah. you have to go a smooth heel-toe. Uh-huh. You want a steady gait. Yep, okay. You want to key off of the person you write because you want a straight line. Yep. Right? Yes. Okay, and then you, you walk like this at rest, which I was clearly at rest. Uh-huh. And then when the person in front, the whatever, goes like that, you go, Phew. Okay. All at once. You cannot mess around. It's got to be. She she has an ASMR video she did for W Magazine. Really? And it's hilarious. Now, in the vein of Sydney Bristow, my character in Alias, I'm going to work on some wigs with some brushes. So uh, she has mentioned politically, as you can imagine, she comes from family, moved from Texas to West Virginia. Very red. She said her father was very conservative and her mother was quietly blue. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, she attended the local Method ch- Methodist church growing up on every Sunday and she went to vacation Bible school. So, like, just to give you a yeah. picture of as teenagers, Garner and her sisters were not allowed to wear makeup paint their nails, pierce their ears, or dye their hair, she has joked that her family's take on the world was practically Amish. <laughs> um, uh, she did play saxophone in a marching band, as you mentioned, and she was a water girl for the football team. Yeah. Which, which I love. I mean, uh, that's the thing, though. She was never the cheerleader. Like, yeah. It's... But the funny thing is, too, and the other thing is, like, as, as nerdy as we talked about, like, she wasn't a great student. She she said she was, like, a fine student, but she never got A's. Um but what she did really like is she she found her way into the Charleston Light Opera Guild, which was essentially the community theater. And there she took piano, singing, and ballet lessons. Um, from there, she enrolled into uh, Denison University in Granville, Ohio, and for chemistry. Yeah. And then changed her major to theater. Um, she joined a sorority there, Pi Beta Phi. But <laughs> she never went to parties. Right. And she like was like, I don't want to be drunk and like dumb girl. Um, I don't even know why she did then. I, yeah, I don't know. I she mean, maybe, move, I mean, maybe just to buy your friends. I mean, that is that. <laughs> and in 1994, she graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in theater performance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she did do, she started doing summer stock theater during her time in college. Right. Um, 
And that wasn't just acting there. She would sell tickets, uh, build sets, and clean the venues, which I'm sure it's like... That's true, like, the dregs of, like, I'm going to be an actor one day. And, like, the summer stock experience is step one. Exactly. Um, And, uh, you know, she she moved sort of from theater to theater there, um, uh, Michigan and Georgia, and then she moved to New York City in 1995. During her first year in the city, she earned $150 per week as an understudy for a roundabout theater company production of A Month in the uh, Country, starring Helen Mirren and F. Murray Abraham. Wow. So, like, she was in it to, to, like, from the start. And then her very first screen appearance, and I've seen some clips of this, I did not watch the whole thing, uh, was uh, as Melissa Gilbert's daughter in the Daniel Steele romance miniseries, Zoya. Wow. Yeah. Didn't this happen kind of fast? It happened because we began a friendship, Sasha. That's often how these things happen. Thanks for the tip, Mom. Is he going to move in with us? Sasha. Nikki, no. Let her be angry if she wants to be. Maybe she'll be angry enough that she won't have to be angry anymore. And to answer your question... We haven't discussed that yet. I, for one, would like to make this as easy as possible for everyone. Great. Look, if the two of you want to walk down the straight and narrow, that's fine and dandy with me. As long as he doesn't think he's going to be my father. I already had one. He's dead. Danielle Steele? Yeah. That's big. My friend Andrea, uh, Zoya was one of the first, like, adult books she ever read. Oh. And she was like, are you going to watch this? And I was like, absolutely not. No. Zoya. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like just, like, vaguely sexy, you know? <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's uh, about a Russian countess. So, <laughs> who's a cousin of Tsar Nicholas. A countess. Yeah, a countess. <laughs> um... In 1996, she played an Amish woman in the television movie Harvest Fire and a flirtatious shopkeeper in the Western miniseries Dead Man's Walk. She appeared in the independent short film In Harm's Way and made one-off appearances in legal dramas such as Swift Justice and Law and Order. Mm-hmm. As everybody that everybody. lives in New York, literally, if you haven't seen Louie and I on Law and Order yet, like, it's very powerful. It's so good. Very powerful. Uh, stuff. Mariska is amazing to work with. I just want to say, Diva. Yeah. <laughs> um. And actually, one of my favorite weird odd facts is while she was living in New York, she met Stephen Colbert, uh, who was very early on in his career. Oh, right. And she started babysitting his children. So she she spends two years in New York, and then she decides she's really going to make a go of it. She moves to L.A. And she gets her first, uh, first leading role in a television miniseries called Rose Hill. And then her feature film... Uh, her first feature film debut was in the movie Washington Square, um, where she plays the the cousin of the main character played by Jennifer Jason Lee, and she's so fucking good in it. Mm. And I just, it's a small role, so I would never give it my five star review. But honestly, if you've not seen Washington Square, uh, go like find it any way that you can and watch it. It's it's a uh, it's based off the uh, novel of the same name by H- Henry James. It's been adapted before as the movie The Heiress, which is a be- like in all honesty a better movie, but there. Um, that stars Olivia de Havilland and um, casual, and I. It's really cool to watch the differences in the way that Jennifer Jason Lee plays this main character versus Olivia de Havilland, and also the way different ways that like sensationalism works um, over the course of forty years difference, yeah. even though it's set in the same time period. Uh, I won't talk too much more about it, but it's it's a very good movie, and it's cool that that was her first film. Cool. Um, <laughs> her next movie is a Disney movie. Based off the cartoon series Mr. Magoo, right, starring Leslie Nielsen, she plays a possibly racially insensitive character. Uh huh. Yeah, I didn't watch Mr. Magoo, so um, I found it and watched a couple minutes and was like, 
I'm out. <laughs> um, but Bye. I, yeah, but I found some clips of her, and she is... She's doing something. Mm-hmm. She's trying. She's dressed very Asian. I think she's supposed to be Middle Eastern. No. Um, yeah. And so it's like a weird hybrid accent of things. What year is this? Uh, this was 98. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Your uncle. Do you think he needs glasses? Oh, and how? Just don't try and tell him that. He will not spend the money. I notice he drives a very old car. Is his business not healthy? Oh, no. No, he just loves that old car. And if Unc loves something, he won't let it go. And then her her next, like, what she thought was going to be, like, her first, like, big breakout role is she plays Woman in the Elevator in Woody Allen's Deconstructing Harry. And the reason she's only listed as Woman in the Elevator is because 90% of her role is cut out of the movie. <sighs> cool. Yeah. I mean, honestly, great. Fuck Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. But her first major casting in a TV show, she was a lead on a Fox drama called Significant Others. I saw, like, the first five minutes of it. Yeah. It's on YouTube. Uh, Will Joyner of the New York Times praised her ability to provide the leaving ingredient of innocent insight, but Ken Tucker of Entertainment Weekly felt that there was no center to the character as played by Garner. Fox canceled the series after three of the six filmed episodes aired. Yeah. Um, But in 1998, she basically hits the jackpot. She auditions um, and gets a... um, guest role on J.J. Abrams Felicity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's two episode guest appearance. She befriends J.J. Abrams and she meets her first husband Scott Foley. Yeah. Um, and she does another TV show after that. She does a bunch of TV movies. She guest stars on The Pretender and she does the movie Dude Where's My Car where she plays Ashton Kutcher's girlfriend and then you know it's mostly oh, well oh yes and also during that period sorry how could i forget she does a very small role in michael bay's pearl harbor right starring right, right. future husband ben affleck ben affleck she's a nurse in that and she's as adorable as can be curly mm. hair glasses love just it just a little jennifer garner just a little jennifer garner um but 2001 rolls around and jj abrams like takes a chance and casts her in his show alias um J.J. Abrams wrote the part with Garner in mind after working with her on Felicity, and he said, quote, I always thought she had something in her personality that was funnier and sexier and smarter and more mischievous than anything I'd seen her do. I wanted to show that. However, he had to convince wary studio executives that Garner was right for the role. Um, USA Today remarked, you've probably never noticed her. You'll notice her now. Garner creates one of the season's strongest new characters, a sensitive young woman who hides her vulnerability behind a mean right cross. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the the word mischievous is so right because yeah. I think she she's so good at like giving you a, a lot of like emotional face, yeah. you know. Um, but then she's also such a good crier. It's well, it's so funny. Um, I watched the this is a roundabout way of getting to this, but I watched the um, Odd Life of Timothy Green, uh-huh. and I was I was like. I didn't hate this movie, so I went back and listened to the How Did This Get Made, and the, funny enough, the How Did This Get Made episode about the odd life of Timothy Green, and I highly recommend you listen to it, they all actually ended up liking the movie, too, which is an odd thing for their show, <laughs> and I'd forgotten that, but one of them describes, I think it's Jason Manzoukas who describes her as, she's one of the only people who can convincingly smile while crying. Yeah. And I think that's so true in so many of her movies. And you know what? It reminded me a lot. Like, I was like, man, she has, like, such a... I mean, her face is just so expressive yeah. and good. And and her crying is so believable. And it's not, like, overwrought. It's not scenery-chewy. No. Um, 
And it reminded me a lot of, because she also has a very masculine feature. She has a yeah. strong it's, jaw. It's funny. I was thinking about this because it reminded me the most when we sort of talked about um, uh, Jane Fonda, mm. where she has like, she has like really high cheekbones and she, yeah, she has that like kind of squarish right. jaw. It reminds me a lot of Hilary Swank. Yes. Um, because the way Hilary Swank cries and like thinking about uh, Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, Jennifer Garner's face reminds me the same way. It's just not overdone right uh she's i don't know man for, for, they're they're both beautiful actresses who are able to access um just these emotions and really express it just like in such believable ways um even in the schlocky movies where it's like oh fuck this movie sucks but somehow she always finds a way to like shine through um so garner uh gets uh, she, she, Alias runs from 2001 to 2006, so it's a five-year run. Towards the end of it, she's so famous that she's not even on anymore the last season. I've actually never fully seen the last season of Alias, and I loved Alias, uh-huh. but I was just like, she's the fucking star. Like, I think I'm not going to watch saw, this. I think I saw two seasons of it. I did not know that she's not in the last season of it. Yeah, I mean, she's in it a little bit. Like, it's on and off. Huh. Um, and uh, It's just Michael Vartan. Yeah. <laughs> and they, like her salary goes from forty thousand dollars an episode, uh, which is still quite a bit good, uh, to one hundred fifty thousand dollars an episode by the end of the show. I remember um, when that show came out, though it was huge. It was so huge, and I loved it. I loved it from the very first episode. I mean, one it has one of the most famous uh, post Super Bowl. Uh, episodes mm. ever like it was a game changer for the show it really changed everything i don't know it's a it is a, i have no idea how it holds up but of its time i loved every right. second i, mean, of I it. think I, everyone was just like she's wearing the wigs like right. the, it was like right i loved to at the time she talked about that uh and one of the things i really like about her is she's as i mentioned she seems like not a celeb like she's somehow like a normal person who found herself a celebrity but like she i remember watching an interview with her when she you know she's like people are like oh wow you can you can have any hair color you want and you still look beautiful and she's like no (laughs) i spend four hours in the makeup chair every time they change my wig like that is 100 percent the makeup people it is unreal yeah um and during the show, I mean, it it becomes the time in which Garner is just awarded award after award. She wins the Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Actress and a Golden Globe Award for Best Actress. I've often said to J.J. Abrams, the creator of the show, I don't know why you cast me in this role. I don't know why you thought I could do it. I know I was good in Dude, Where's My Car? But seriously? <laughs> I, I can't. I can't thank you enough for believing in me and fighting for me and, and writing what you write. Um, and then three further Golden Globe nominations. And she received four nominations from the Emmy Awards for Best Actress. Yeah. That, you know, that's a a huge thing for her. And it really launches her career. Steven Spielberg is watching Alias and is like, she's a true star. Casts her for a very small role in Catch Me If You Can, which I think is one of her best. Like, it's so brief, but, like, one of her best performances. She plays a uh, high-priced sex worker uh, that Leonardo DiCaprio sort of learns how to... Um, the sort of faking intimacies mm. with. How much would you pay? I'm, I'm sorry. How, how, much, how much would I pay for what? The entire night. How much would you pay me for the entire night? Sure, I... I really don't know. 
be scared. Make me an offer. Three hundred? Go fish. <laughs> uh, five hundred dollars? Go fish. <laughs> Six hundred. <laughs> Go fish. thousand dollars okay and then in 2003 uh you know her first starring role she gets cast as electra in daredevil with future husband ben affleck yeah um uh this was also around the time and so alias is happening it's like it's not like just like oh she's a star but it's like she's sexy like right. part of the brand that or the niche that she's filling is I mean, it's kind of like the same Britney Spears thing of like the tension between being sexual and innocent. And so like Sydney Bristow, her character in Alice, when she's not off, you know, superheroing, she's like turtlenecks and like right. just like a simple girl. And then like the gag is like she's wearing leather and like sexy wigs and like yeah. boots. And she was named, you know, a Maxim hottest girl in the world. And she was on lists everywhere. But she... um well, like when she's on the runway or um, on a red carpet, she's just like smiling and bubbly, and um, she felt accessible as a celebrity. Daredevil's not a great movie, but I do like this Elvis Mitchell quote. Elvis Mitchell's famous New York Times critic, he says, is that Garner realizes Electra more through movement than by way of her lumpy, obvious lines. She hasn't mastered the combat skill of tossing off bad material. Hmm. I mean, I will say, I at the time loved Daredevil. Uh, there's a director's cut that's actually like somewhat of a better movie. That's the one with, like, Coolio. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I rewatched Daredevil, and I still... It makes me giddy. Like, when they fight in the park, when they meet their meet-cute... Oh, that's so bad. I am obsessed. <laughs> like, like he's... He is a blind man uh-huh. who is, like, living under the, like, guise of a blind man because he, he has powers that allow... And like he's not, and they like do this crazy wire foo fight in front of all these children. And like they're on seesaws, and yeah. it's like, do I just have to do this much to get the girl's number? And she's like, whatever. You're holding back. Yes. Don't. So does every guy have to go through all this just to find out your name? Try asking for my number. We talked, we did a superhero movie, our superhero teams episode. We've sort of never talked about the wild, wild west of the superhero movies that happened post Spider-Man, X-Men and Blade. Right. Um, and I would love to do like that sort of like pre, pre-Marvel. Right. Pre-actual like Marvel Studios right. stuff. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, we're, we're going to get, so after Daredevil, not right after, but like she gets her own Electra movie. Yeah. Which I mean is beyond yeah. bad. It, it's like a sci-fi channel film. Right. I mean, and so I, Daredevil, at least to me, the movie has some like silliness to it. Like, yeah. And then the, the very next year after that, 2004, she gets her like first like lead, like yes. head, head, like name above, which is 13 going on 30. Mm-hmm. Very famous film. I doubt I really have to describe any of the plot to <laughs> any of you guys. <laughs> She's 13. Oh. And she goes on 30. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, uh, you know, Alias ends in 2005, um, and she does this um, uh, romantic comedy called Catch and Release, and it's her first big sort of disaster. It doesn't 
pan out. It's her and Timothy Oliphant. Was that Smith. before or after Electra? Uh, it's before. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, and it just doesn't, um, do anything. Yeah. And, and Peter Travers, or sorry, Peter Hartlob of the San Francisco Chronicle felt that while her natural beauty and likability are still assets, she seems occasionally challenged by what should be an easy role. And I'm probably going to come back to that. At the, it's funny. Point. I know Peter from, oh, really? Yeah. He's still the, uh, um, I don't know if he's their movie critic anymore. He's like their pop culture critic or uh-huh. something. I, I like that quote a lot about her, and yeah. I, I'm definitely going to come back to that. Um, but, uh, you know, she did, she did a one year break, uh, post the end of Alias as well. Oh. Um, and during that time, um, well, during the final season of Alias also, and I, I don't want to backtrack too much, but like her marriage to Scott Foley falls apart. Right. Um, they were only married two years. Two years. Yeah. And like I mentioned, they met on Felicity. They started dating. Um, and then they got married and then it sort of falls apart. And part of it is, is she skyrocketing to fame and his career stalls after Felicity is over. Yeah. And, uh, he sort of can't take it. And I'm not like talking out of school. They've talked about this before that as like a major reason. Um, she starts dating Michael Vartan for a little bit. Um, and uh, I guess she gets tired of paint drying, so right. she she moves what on. What a weird like. The, the she's definitely like, and I've done it before too, so I understand. But like, don't date your coworkers, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's I mean, well, I mean, it's a weird like I don't know pentagram of like her Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez, and Michael Vartan. Yeah, whatever that whole thing is <laughs> is very fucking weird. Um, and then you know she meets Ben Affleck on uh. On Daredevil, and they start dating, and uh, essentially, Alias comes to an end. She gets married to Ben Affleck, and she has her first kid. Quick, quick, and so that precipitates you know a year off. Like she needs a, she needs a break, and her first big film back from that break is 2007's Juno. Um, she plays a, a, a mom who wants to adopt Juno's child. Um, she's the wife to Jason Bateman. Um, uh, as most people know at this point, Juno is a it's a, a Jason Reitman film with a script by Diablo Cody about a teenage girl who gets pregnant. Iconic script. Um, and uh, it's a I mean it's a big role. And from there, like she's just she is a star. She does uh, the Kingdom in two thousand seven. She does her first Broadway show or like her first like big Broadway show as a celebrity. Uh, Cyrano de Bergerac. Dan actually saw it. Really? Yeah, with Kevin Klein. Um, Who as is she playing? Cyrano de Bergerac. She's the she's in the main, Roxanne. She's wow. Roxanne. Yeah. The, um, Who is Cyrano? Cyrano was Kevin Klein. Oh. Yeah. Since you mentioned doubt, why do your words come so haltingly out? Tonight you hesitate so strangely. Why? I, 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 good question. And my answer is, each word gropes through this darkness looking for your light. If that were really so, my own words would limp just like yours. Since your words fall, they yield to gravity. Mine rise and have to fight it. Am I so far above you still? So far, I fear that one hard word could kill, crushing my heart like a stone. Then I'll come down to you. No. But I want to see you. Oh, stand on that bench there. No. Such a vehement no. She starts getting sponsorship deals, too. Yeah. And this is one of the things that, like, 
We don't talk about this too much because most of the celebrities we've done don't really have lucrative sponsorship deals. But in 2007, she becomes the spokesperson for Neutrogena. Mm-hmm. And that lasts for a really long yeah. time. Um, and then, you know, romantic comedies, uh, you know, Star on the Rise. She, do- she does this role in the Ricky Gervais film, The Invention of Lying, where, like, he basically handpicked her to be in it. Um, and, you know, she works Gary Marshall for the first time in Val- uh, Valentine's Day in 2010. Um, yeah, and it's just sort of, it's odd, it starts becoming odd choice after odd choice. Yeah. She does the remake of Arthur, where she kind of plays, yeah. like, a, a money-hungry, sp- yeah, like a stuck-up person. She does the Odd Life of Timothy Green, which is an original, uh, concept Disney film. I thought it was based off, like, a young adult book. It is not. Um, <laughs> it feels like it should be. Uh, like- oh, absolutely. So then, so then she does, like, her, her big, like, like, big sort of, Oscar play in 2013. Um, she plays uh, a doctor treating age pa- patients in Texas during the mid 80s in Dallas, Dallas Buyers Club. Club. Matthew McConaughey, um, and her career she sort do, like men, women, and children. Yeah, she, like, her career sort of bounces around for a bit. She does Draft Day with Kevin Costner, uh, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day with Steve Carell. It's a weird and she does mix. Men, Women, with Children, which is back with Jason Reitman. Jason Reitman. It's a weird and, mix of like you know. Uh, like rom coms, like Ghost of Girlfriends Past, yeah, and then uh, like high brow, like men, women, and children, right. and like clear like Oscar swings, yeah, and then also like family. I don't want to say comedy, but like I mean, like Draft Day is like a family. I don't, I don't know who that movie's for. Straight men, whatever. Um, <laughs> like these movies that are made for like middle America, and, and and the thing is, there's another really good article on BuzzFeed about like how. Um, Jennifer Garner, the brand is big business and it's her like Q score for like brands is the, she has the highest of all women in America. Yeah. Um, and people trust her and she, she's also, um, Capital One, you know? Right. And she's and, been doing Capital One for years, literally years. Can I give it to you straight? That airline credit card you have, it could be better. It's time to shake things up with the Capital One venture card. She's this trust, like, again, this is, like, the the transformation from her, like, sexy alias days um, right. and Electra stuff to, you know, once she plays a mom in Juno, yeah. it's, like, mom role, mom, like, she is just, like, the proto-mom for, like... Right. And and I, I know, like, but that's the thing is, I wonder if it ended up becoming sort of a hindrance to her career, because it does, like you mentioned, it's these weird, like, there's the occasional rom-com, but, like, she doesn't do them that often, but she definitely does stuff for, like, people in the Midwest, and and then in the last couple of years, she's also, like, been doing these um, indie films that I'm not sure who they're for. She did the movie Butter, uh, which is... She so, produced it. Yeah. Her. Like, that was her... The, that was her big swing. It went direct to video. Yeah, on demand. Um, even though uh, on demand, even though like um, uh, fucking Wolverine's in it, and uh, right, Hugh Jackman's in it. Hugh Jackman, yeah. Unless I'm mistaken, it seems that some people seem to think this competition is about who's the most disadvantaged, who's had the hardest life, who's had to overcome the most just to get here. Well, I'm sorry that I was born white and tall and pretty, and, and I'm sorry that I have spent my life working hard trying to do the right thing because I thought that's what this competition was about. She did this uh, movie called Wakefield. So weird. Um, and uh, The Tribes of Palos Verde. And really the only big film she's done in the last, like, 
year. And that's the other thing, too, is I feel like she, it almost feels like she went away. Yeah. And I think it's because she's been doing these sort of like smaller indie films that are for no one. Um, <laughs> that, um, but she hasn't really because this year alone, she yeah. was in both Love Simon and Peppermint right. that just came out. Right. She's, I mean, she's, she's not like aching for, but I, I also wonder it's like all these like weird choice movies that are yeah. like, who, like, who they for? It's post Ben Affleck. And, I mean, we don't have to get all in their tabloid life. Right. And but... I actually do want to avoid that. But I will say, she has three children with Ben Affleck. Yeah. Um, they stayed together through a lot of ups and downs. He very publicly cheated on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did file for divorce two years ago. The divorce was finalized this year. But she was most recently seen, like, at essentially, like at an intervention right. for him and then driving him to rehab. Right. So clearly like, and she's mentioned in that interview, like it's hard when you love somebody that like clearly is self-destructive. Right. Um, and she gave like a really intense interview to Vanity Fair um, a couple years ago talking about the marriage and like it's destruction. And she's I mean, I, I don't have it on me, but like she said something about like, it was hard being in his shadow. Right. And like having to take care of yourself and also thinking about the kids. Um, and they have a, like, they talk, she talks very publicly about, like, you know, they decided that Ben Affleck was going to live on, like, on their property, like, yeah. but, like, in the whatever house, the, like, pool house or whatever. Like, right. Um, and they went on vacation together with their kids. Right. A, as a divorced couple. Um, yeah, and uh, real quick, I, I just realized, the, so technically the divorce was settled in 2018, but the settlement won't be filed until after Affleck completes this current state of rehab. Um, wow. So that that will be the final end of their marriage. It's just like so fucking weird. I mean, but, but props on her. She said of his like very famous back tattoo, she's like, I refuse to be anyone's ashes. Yes. Because he says that this is like the rebirth and she's like, I take umbrage to that. Like, yes. I refuse to be anyone's ashes. I, I love that she did that. She um, is a strong mother. What I think that I've learned is that scrutiny in your private life puts a pressure to make something happen. You feel a pressure to hurry up and get married because you think that'll end the, are they engaged, are they not? And that's true in the reverse as well. If you are, you know, if there is any inkling of trouble or if the tabloids decide there's trouble, it can create trouble. But to be honest, public scrutiny, everyone says, oh, you've had to go through this in public. The public isn't what's hard. What's hard is going through it. I had to really get serious with myself and say, this is not healthy. Nobody should see pictures of themselves that paparazzi have taken. You can, in the morning, you can either be making breakfast for your kids, making their lunch boxes, or you can be getting paparazzi ready. <laughs> and so, you know, I know which way I'm going to go. Before we move into our picks and whatnot, I do want to talk about her activism. And she is an amazing yeah, activist. And she is like... Uh, like, it's so funny because she does do, as I mentioned, she has three kids. I get that she's very rich. The kids probably have nannies, but she's very active in their lives. It's, that's yeah, clear. Yeah. Um, on top of that, like, she does seem to work all the time. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, even if it's a small film, she, and, and then her commercials, of, her commercials and then that Buzzfeed article, one of the best things, but Ben Affleck was talking about how she's like, she's on the cover of like every magazine you've yeah. never heard of yeah. that sells in the Midwest. Yeah. So like, she has a brand that she constantly stays on top of. So including all of that stuff that sort of makes her a, mm-hmm. you know, she's not a business woman. She's a business yeah. woman. Um, like, Hello. Woman. Uh, 
And uh, in 2009, Garner became an artist ambassador for Save the Children, promoting national literacy, nutrition, and early education efforts. In 2014, she joined the Invest in Us campaign. In 2015, she appeared in a Path Appears, a PBS documentary which focuses on rural poverty among children in West Virginia. Um, she, you know, she claims not to be a, a, a outward political person, but she has campaigned for Barack Obama. Um, she donated money to Wendy Davis. Um, she's pretty much like an outspoken Democrat. Yeah. Um, what I love is like she very, and I think the reason why like the Midwest minivan majority yeah. are so obsessed with her is because she, all these, all these, um, chosen philanthropies, it's basically like a souped up, you know, um, parent work, like, you know, yeah. being on the board of, save the children like you right know, and all of her causes are about for, for kids and literacy and like poor kids it, it's all just you know um like every mother you know wishes they had the time right. and energy to give to these causes in their community and she's using her platform to do it on a national level she's also a climate change a- uh, advocate um and she teamed with holly berry in 2013 um essentially to uh campaign for a law to protect her children from paparazzi. Um, Both Halle Berry and her testified before the California Assembly Judiciary Committee um, in support of a bill that would protect celebrity children from harassment by a photographer. And the bill actually passed and is now a California law and has been for the last five years. Yeah, she's super protective of her kids. Yeah. The price paid for pictures of celebrity children is now absurdly high. They have a bounty on their heads every day. Being stalked has been hard for me, but it's beyond what a child should have to endure. One last thing uh, before we move into, and I just, we never talk about this. We haven't really had many major cases. There, there is like, and I'm, I never will like boohoo celebrity, like they're rich people. Uh, but celebrities are very accessible and that sometimes causes a problem. There's been a couple major stalking incidents in Jennifer Garner's life. Um, she was stalked by Steve Berkey from 2002 to 2003, and then again from 2008 to 2009. She, her husband, and her daughter, Violet, obtained a restraining order in 2008. Berkey was arrested in December of 2009 outside her daughter's preschool. What the fuck? Uh, He was charged with two counts of stalking, to which he pled not guilty for reasons of insanity. In March 2010, he was ruled insane, sent to California State Mental Hospital, and ordered to stay away from the Affleck family for 10 years if released. Wow. So yeah, that's scary because truly she is very accessible. Yeah. On uh, like on social media, she's and again her 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 Instagram is a delight. But like <laughs> she she also is starting a new like um, um baby food company. Yes. Um and like she's at Whole Foods like hawking her wares, you know, to like moms. Right. Um and she's just out and about, and so that that's really but, fucking scary I, and terrifying. But, but I'm happy that she can have an incident like that in her life and still come out with the idea that she shouldn't hide, right. that she shouldn't be, you know, a, a person in a gilded cage that right. keeps the outside world out that she is amongst, because that's genuinely terrifying. Yeah. And the fact that he was able to find her child's preschool, especially when there's like her children are very protected from the press and yeah. she's done a lot to keep them out of that, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, and that's pretty much brings us up to date. Uh, we mentioned Peppermint came out two weeks ago, right. uh, but we were on vacation. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and so with that being said, maybe we should go into our five-star reviews? I want to go into our five-star reviews. Okay. Absolutely. 
so this was kind of hard because I think she has, like I mentioned, some really iconic roles that are just so good and fun. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, 2004's 13 Going on 30. Um, I, I remember seeing this movie in the theater and being like, what the fuck is a razzle? Um, but also just like, she's so charming it's insane. Yeah. Um, this movie uh, was directed by Gary Winnick, who you might know who also did Uptown Girls. Did he really? Uh, yeah. I See, I know Gary Winnick because he did this movie called Tadpole that I loved when I was in college. I've not seen since. I don't know how, how it holds up. But I will say this. Uh, she spent years after 13 Going on 30 trying to find another project that her and Gary Winnick could work on together. And he unfortunately passed away in 2011. Oh. And uh, very suddenly, very early. And I wonder what they could have done together uh, had that not happened. I don't believe in the concept of soulmates, but I do think that you sometimes find somebody that you work really well with and that creates like this atmosphere. And I think they could have had another really big movie together because I think she sort of worked really well as his muse. Yeah. Um, I know that sounds crazy for a movie like 13 going on 30, but I'll let you continue with your five-star review. But I, I just really, uh, it bums me out that he passed away because I, you know, yeah, I mean, I would like to see what else. This is like truly the pinnacle of all of her rom-coms that she has done. I mean, nothing since that, you know, really matches the magic of it. And I think it has to do with, this is a movie where you actually get to see her being, her silly right you know and uh i think anyone else in this role she just brings such like this charisma and i mean the scene where she's like in the elevator and the little girl's like great dress and <laughs> she just like, looks over and it's like it's because i have these great boobs to fill it out with like she's so fucking funny and what i didn't she know gen- she genuinely is she gen- like and, and and what i respect about her in every movie she does she's giving a hundred percent i don't think i saw a movie where it's like I've, I saw some movies where she looks lost, like she's yeah. not sure what she's doing, but she's always committing to the thing. Yeah. Um, and this movie, I think it fit her so well. She commits 100%. And there's never a moment where like, I mean, there are certainly like things, like when you go to a movie and you're like, this plot is ridiculous, but if it's good enough, you, it, you can like detach yourself like, you know, oh, this is the magic of movie yeah. and I'm going to go with it. Like... Do I do I need to investigate how this magic dust made her third right, girl? Right. No, um, <laughs> it's just like you be- you believe that this little girl wished so hard that she could be thirty, flirty, thirty, and thriving, and she magics it. And you're just and and Jennifer Garner is so good. You're, you don't even care. Like I would I would also like to talk about her physical performance in the movie because that's one of the things I tr- I truly love, and I don't think it's stated enough that you know the. And she does it like she, she never figures it out. And that's one of the things that look the way that she walks in the movie is like yeah. a 13 year old, because you also have to think about the fact that like 13 year old girls are constantly, it's funny that she works at a fashion magazine because yeah. those are the things that sort of beat into girls. You have to be sexy. You have to do this sort of, and I think girls like around that age, their brain is told that they have to even compose themselves a certain way and walk a certain way. Right. And she doesn't have that in the movie. She doesn't have that, like, like there's no hip movement in her mm-hmm. walk. It's sort of like a, like a clomping around. And it's such a brilliant choice. And I love it. I just love watching that. Like, yeah. there was scenes where she was just walking and she wasn't doing anything. I was just like, Jesus Christ, she's really got this down. Yeah, I mean, like, like her against Judy Greer, who plays yeah. her best friend, who is like a mean girl. Frenemy. Right, frenemy. Yeah. Um, 
and and she has the like mean girl walk. She yeah. has like the attitude and the innocence and yeah. the purity of Jennifer Garner playing this character um, is just like so refreshing and fun. Um, what well, I didn't know, I read on the IMDb page. IMDb page, it says she improvised a lot of her lines. Yeah. Um, the joke when um, her like hot hockey player guy boyfriend wants to like have sex, and she suggests playing Battleship instead. She like improvised that. I couldn't wait to see you tonight. You want to play a game? Do you have Battleship? Yeah, I have Battleship. I'll show you my destroyer. <laughs> I call the red board. Well, I call the blue board. <laughs> yeah, this movie is very special. I think Mark Ruffalo is very cute in this movie. Very cute. My only problem is better haircut. Could have had a better haircut. <laughs> but that's it. That's it. Like, very oh. adorable. I'm, I'm 100% uh, rough for Ruffalo. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the... Also, quick, like, little trivia. Brie Larson is a member of the Six Chicks. Yes. And, um, she is the girl who gets replaced by Jennifer uh, Garner's by character. Jennifer Garner's character. Yeah. Uh, Jenna Link, or Jenna Rink. Jen- yes. Uh, the movie is just, like, so, I mean, I, I just keep thinking of the, t- the moment when, so the movie essentially is she magics herself to be 30. Yeah. And then she works It's at- the less creepy version of Big. Right. Well, that's one of the things I like about the movie, too, is she, so she retains everything from a 13-year-old girl and, and just wakes up in her... So her body has progressed and has gone right. further, um, and she's done all these things. She became a mean girl. She got rid of her best friend, who was Mark Ruffalo. Um, and, yeah, and, like, she like she had this whole life, and now she's forgotten all of it because she's her 13-year-old self in her adult. Yeah, and so she has access to all these adult things right. that she thought would bring her happiness. Um, and But what she realizes is that she's not a good person. Like, yeah. you know, she who she has become is not good. The scene, the iconic scene of her with, like, the little girl's having a slumber party and she's telling him about how love is a battlefield. Oh my God. That was studio mandated. The I know. director didn't want it in the movie and then was like, Oh, this actually works. So yeah, and it works so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just such a sweet, sweet film. And I think, I mean, it was so early in her career and I think, you know, certainly there's been more complicated maybe roles yeah. that she's taken on, but this just, I, I don't think there's another um, leading rom-com lady who's had a performance that is, just this, I don't know. She's able to um, use this like modern grown up woman's yeah. body and have this like mind of a 13 year old and, and bring that together. It's stuff stuff. And she does that thing at the end where she both cries and smiles yeah. at the same time. Oh my God. Oh, it's <laughs> like, so heartbreaking oh, when Maddie. Uh, yeah. Gwen, I'm fine. I'm, I'm just crying because I'm happy. I want you to be so, so happy. I love you, Matt. You're my best friend. Jedi. I've always loved you. So for my five-star review, I also picked 13 going on 30. I had never seen it before. Really? Yeah, I had never... I'd, like, it was a cultural touchdown because it came out and, like... You never said, saw it 
before researching yeah. this episode. Uh, it was like it came out in 2014. I was like in the midst 2004. of college. 2004. Sorry, came out in 2004. I was in the midst of college. Like I was like, eh, whatever. Like it's this like, Damn, I, like this is blowing my mind. Uh, it's so good. I'm not- it is so good. I'm I'm shocked. And I, I I mentioned all the things that I wanted to talk about it during yours. Uh, so, it's yeah. blowing my mind that you chose this. Not that you hadn't seen it, like, that's fair, but that you chose this over her other good movies. No, she's so good. And if we're talking about performance base, which we usually are, like, her performance, I think, is so nuanced and so interesting, which is funny because you would think that, you know... Uh, one of my have you ever seen the the remake of Freaky Friday with Lindsay Lohan and and uh, what's that yeah <laughs> and uh, I love Jamie Lee Curtis but I hate the remake of Freaky Friday and part of it is is I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis plays Lindsay Lohan in her body mm-hmm. like a mental patient um <laughs> not like a 14 year old girl right. but like an insane person or like an <laughs> alien who has never seen a human before Jamie Lee Curtis is like what is what even is yeah. being 15 yeah exactly and so I think for Jennifer Garner to be able to capture that and and make it so specific and so like I said, nuanced and it's and like interesting. respectful. Also, yeah, there's no girls. Yeah, it's not like I'm a dumb little girl, right? Exactly, and and often often insulted. Uh, you know, being being you know, quote unquote, little girl. It's like a in a very masculine society. It is that. So I think it takes strength to sort of like portray a 13 year old girl in a way that like you know, and even the the it's these boobs scene like it could be seen as like wow she's she's really nuts yeah, but like she does it in such a respectful, interesting sort of way. Yeah, I thought I don't know. I thought this was really great. I like when her and Mark Ruffalo are together. Like yeah. I think there's a lot of chemistry there too. And he's not always great in a romantic comedy. I've seen him in other ones, and I don't think he's as impressed. So like. Yeah, it's I, good. I mean, I, I'm remembering also the thriller scene. Oh, the thriller scene's amazing. Um, yeah, and like it, imagining like what would it take the type of person to like go on a dance floor by themselves right. and start doing the thriller dance, see your like ex best friend, and be like, Maddie, yeah. it's thriller, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and like, and she starts the party, and I fucking bought it. Yeah, I was like, if I saw that um, queen, is there any other five stars that you really want to talk about? Absolutely. Um, Juno. Juno, absolutely. 100%. I will, the scene where. I think Juno was both a blessing to her, her career and a terrible curse. And I will get to that. Um, when she, so Juno, she plays, um, the mother, or she's a wanting mother. Um, and uh, Juno, she's such a good foil to Juno. I think the movie has a, a really clever trick of like setting up a lot of scenes with her and Jason Bateman and like, look how cool they are, blah, blah, blah. Yep. And Jennifer Garner's character, is being forced to be the adult. And she is this, the quote straight person who is like, don't break my heart, please, 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 please. Yeah. And what I will do anything you ask for and anything you need. I just really want this baby. Yeah. She, she comes off, especially in that couple of Jason Bateman being so like fun cool. and cool. She comes off as like the uptight person. Yeah. And then you realize like, no, no, she's like the right person that should have this baby. Yeah. That scene at the mall when she sees Jennifer Garner playing with kids. Right. And then they run into each other and she wants to feel the baby. The baby doesn't kick that's for her. My, that's genuinely like one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Doesn't kick for her. And Juno says, talk to her. Hi, baby. It's me. It's Vanessa. I can't wait to meet you. Can you hear me, baby? 
Magical. She also should have gotten an, an, an Academy Award nomination, but I also think she should have gotten an Academy Award nomination for 13 Going on 30. I mean, I know that's a long shot. Facts are facts. But like, Juno, yeah, Jennifer Garner deserved a supporting actress nomination it's, for that. I, I think post Juno, she's played like every, at least every year since Juno, just once she's played the sort of uptight yeah. sort of mom who doesn't, you know, sometimes she's not always a mom, but she's like a mom figure and like, it's the strange. It's the strangest thing, and uh, we'll we'll talk about that a bit more. Did you watch Danny Collins? I did. I did. But I also think she could have been played by anybody. In right. Yeah. That movie is like I like. It's the movie, a good movie, but yeah. she's not in it a bunch. Um, yeah. We forgot to mention she's in Love Simon. Um, yes. And uh, we talked about this during our queer uh, episode. Yeah. Uh, she has a couple killer scenes, and she fucking knocks yeah. them out of the park once again, playing like an uptight mother. But yeah, yeah. really ends up being like a, a really a really nice like a, a warm beating heart let's move into our one star reviews okay I mean I don't even know how much I have to say um beyond that I could not get through rewatching Electra <laughs> Electra's really bad I, um, I'll give you that and I and it's extra um sad for me because I fully watched this in theaters for my birthday because... I saw it in the theater, too. Because, remember, as I said, I went and watched Daredevil, and I was obsessed with Daredevil, because I thought, I was like, oh my right. god, she's coming back, she's gonna wear her iconic red outfit, and, uh, yeah, so this movie was made in 2005, um, and this basically, like, like Daredevil, she got this because of her alias, um, you know, days. Right. Um... The movie, I I think this is a movie where she's lost. Yeah. She has no idea what she's doing. She's, I mean, they basically were like, you're like, we're dead. And um, now you're like an assassin and you have no personality. <laughs> right. Truly just, and they give her those awful green contacts. Um, and it, yeah, her, she, she, yeah, she plays Electronachios, who's a, Greek. <laughs> right. Like, Electronachios, who's Greek. And has this, like, no personality. The, yeah. the movie's just v- very, very bad. Um, and I was thinking, like, Electra Nachos is, a, is an interesting character. I think oh, as a character, absolutely. I'm not, like, mad at the character. It's just, like, the way that they decided to do this whole movie. Again, this was before Marvel Studios. Yeah. Um, and so I think they just had no fucking idea what to do. It was, it's, like, it's one of those, like, rock and roll, two th- like, yeah, mid two thousands. Uh, they play a lot of like rock music, like aggressive, yeah. like three doors down type music. It's so funny too because the Daredevil, like outside of like Daredevil's powers and Bullseye, like not missing, is and and a lot of the wire foo like is a very like semi grounded. Yeah, and then Elektra, it's like oh she came back from the dead and she's fighting uh, bad guys who can like turn themselves into wind and right. like yeah, and also it's uh, there's like a there's the like hand. a pseudo lesbian kiss and yeah it's the, the worst version of the hand right. Though I will admit them like like bursting into ash when they die is a nice touch because that happens in the comic. I guess it's all true. The red outfit, the knives. So what happens now? You just kill me straight out, just cold. Don't worry. That's not that bad. Yeah. How do you know? I died once. 
I have said many times on the show, I think there are people who are actors who are capable of like reading a bad script and still drawing a character out of it, much like Sandra Bullock and All About Steve. I know I talk about that a lot, but I don't think she deserves the blame for the badness of that movie. Right. Because of the bad fucking movie. But, and I think, I don't know. Yeah. Why couldn't Jennifer Garner find the right. character? That's true. That's true. I mean, like, if, if you're playing an assassin. Right. And she has, and she has experience yeah. playing an assassin. You yeah. Know? Um, and, and so that's why I come back to the words of Peter Hartlove of uh, saying that, like, natural beauty and likability are still assets. She seems occasionally challenged by what should be an easy role. Yeah. That, not to, are, are you done? I don't want to. No, yeah, I think, I mean, so, so, it, it should be an easy role for her. She yeah. has played an assassin before. I mean, she had a little bit more personality, I think, in Daredevil. Yeah. And that brings me to my one star review, which, once again, should be an easy role. And that's 2018's Peppermint. Really? <laughs> uh, I hated every second of Peppermint. Uh, I hate is a strong word. I laughed so much during yeah. Peppermint yeah. to the point where I'm pretty sure I was that annoying person in the theater because I hate knowing laughter. But every, like, before I even talk about her performance, every, like, clee shade, like, clee fucking shade, um, action movie thing happens in that movie and it is it is so bad and so paint by numbers like the you know the cop you think is good is really a bad guy like somehow she's so good that she can sneak out of the country and train for five years like she's fucking batman mm-hmm. um to become a, a serial murderer because that's what she does and uh you know she like basically creates her own base inside Los Angeles. I Every, think, everything played like parody. And like, if I thought that that movie was a parody, I think it's genuinely successful. Except for if it was a parody, then the joke would be that like, she's doing everything that a male action star could do. And I don't like that. Peppermint's uh, movie real quick, uh, just came out September 7th, um, in which she plays a, a mother who's, uh, they're like lower middle class and her husband is going to do like, he's going to steal from a drug dealer. He's like, should I crime? Yeah. I don't know. And then last minute he decides not to drug dealer catches wind of it anyways and shoots the husband and the daughter, very Punisher style, like in front, like she, they think they're killing her too in a drive by while they're at a winter carnival. Um, uh, and then she disappears for five years, comes back. She's a killing machine. And not only is she taking out the gang that killed her family, she's taking down every corrupt person that had something to do with it. the DA, the judge. Right. Like, I mean, so what you're saying is like, though, she doesn't just go in. She tries to find justice. Right. But like, everything's corrupt and they like right. dismiss the case. Yeah. The sleazy, the sleazy, like, lawyer that walks yeah. into her house is like, you maybe know. you should forget about this. Yeah. Oh my God. Everything was. And on top of that, the film is deeply racist. Yeah. Super racist. Every villain in the movie is a Latinx character. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, like, literally the bad guy, the bad guy drug dealer in it, is praying to altars of skull-faced uh, Virgin Marys. Yeah. And there's a shootout in a pinata factory yeah. that is a front for the drug dealers. Yeah. It is... It's so upsetting in 2018 that we are still doing this. I I have very complicated feelings about movies like this. Um, I mentioned this when I watched Sicario. Yeah. And all I could think of when I watched... I watched Peppermint like but at two least, days ago. At least the... Like, for as shitty as the politics are in Sicario, there's some depth to them. Right. But, uh, but like, any movie where I'm like, oh, the bad guys are the Mexicans. Fuck. Yeah. Um, and... 
not to say that that like you know there aren't like gangs that <laughs> include right. Mexicans or whatever, but it feeds into that like Trumpian MS thirteen. Right, right. Like, but, like I was like, but every he was like, wow, every single person that she's killing yeah. is a there Mexican gang. There was one Asian person, and literally one of them has the lines of like. Oh, what are the Koreans doing slumming it with the with right, these people? Right, right. And it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, so, yes, I think the movie is not good. Um, but I actually think she's pretty good in it. Uh, and that's, and I guess that's the other, so that's really what I, I refuse to give a one-star review if I do think the performance is, but I, like, this is an easy role. I feel like she's done, like, for her, should be an easy role. She's I, I, done, I, like, yeah. the, the, like, loss, the mother thing and I but no I didn't feel it at all like I did not feel the connection I felt any time that she had like her weird quips except for the one the time quips are fucking good when she like kicked the desk of the guy and she's like you got a sack yeah I got a sack <laughs> um, that I thought was like hilarious um, for the right reason yeah I thought she was pretty good and when she, I mean so first of all I don't think they gave her a lot to do I was surprised at how much they were giving us of this Mexican gang backstory yeah, yeah was, she, they, they literally the villains in the movie had more lines than she did yeah I mean, and it's I was like oh they're really not going to tell us a lot about Jennifer Garner and what she's been doing right you know and and it's really the, the, the movie is about like how this Mexican gang is dealing with Jennifer Garner right and it's not this vengeance story about right. Jennifer Garner coming to... And, and on top of that, she is supposed to be, like, the sympathetic, like, every white person. Like, there's a scene at the beginning where she's going to work and she's like, um, oh, I need to leave early for my daughter's birthday. And her boss is like, you have to close tonight. Yeah. Like, you you said you wanted more hours. You have to close. And, like, that's the sort... So she's like, she was the hardworking white woman. Yeah. Yeah. And even she couldn't escape the hands of corruption. Yeah. And... <laughs> I, I I think I hated this movie so I, much. I laughed. I thought she was very good when they actually like when she she like sees like a kid whose drunk dad isn't taking care of him, and I thought that was fun. Yeah, and and I was like, where's this? I'll have this. That, but that scene is like a one for one ripoff of the crow. Um, where like the crow finds the the little girl's mom who's doing heroin, and he has a great like. That's the other thing is like there should have been some like something some gravitas like she should have delivered those lines like it was fucking shakespeare like when when brandon lee grabs that woman's arm in the crow and he's like mother is the name of god on the lips of children this everywhere i mean and like it's so good but this is just like if i see you in here again i'll fucking kill you yeah like, i mean i i thought she did a really i mean it was giving me the alias vibes and uh i pfft. I, you watched some bad episodes of Alias. <laughs> no, I, I think I was like, I, if they could have given me more of her, like, doing, I mean, because she's not a superhero, like, she's not, like, but you know, she was. I mean, no. yeah, there's a scene at the beginning where she gets, like, her ribs get cut, and she, like, staples herself up. Okay, it's her leg, first of oh, all. Oh, her leg, that's right. She, like, staples herself up, and then duct tapes it, and then she's fine for the rest of the movie until she starts getting stabbed again. Right. I mean, clearly she's movie- a superhero. And then the other thing, the other irresponsible thing of of the movie is that it seems to imply that, like, she's she's a murderer. She's not a good person. Like she, like she tortures. I mean, he's a bad judge, but she tortures a judge, um, like like to an insane amount. Um, right. She nails his hands to the desk. Watching someone take everything from you. All you have, all you're ever gonna have, just gone. 
hurts, doesn't it? Knowing that it's all over and there is nothing you can do about it. You didn't serve justice, Your Honor. I will. Richard Brody of The New Yorker uh, had to do uh, a review of this this week, too, nonetheless. So a week after it came out, which I think is really, really hilarious uh, because it just there's so little things uh, coming out. Um, and I think he sort of uh, puts it best, though there isn't any explicit politics in the film. There is an intensely ambiguously political dimension to Peppermint, uh, ingrained and pervasive cynicism regarding law and institutions, regarding police practices and the constraints placed on law enforcement. A final uh, fill-up of cavalier connection between police and vigilante practices suggests that American heroism is defined by unlawful actions undertaken by agents of the law, acting in their own name and unleashing violence against those whom, in their determination, deserve it. Peppermint is a movie of unmitigated ugliness, a reflection and intensification of the current hate that is currently coursing through the American mainstream. I'm surprised that that's what you chose for your one-star review. There, it I, was not my original one-star review until I saw it. Um, what, what, is there anything else that you want to uh, quickly... The Ghosts of Girlfriends Pass is a trash movie, yeah. and I'm glad I didn't watch it when we talked about uh, Michael Douglas. Yeah. I'm glad I saved it for this. But let me tell you... And then, especially speaking of her role, like, once again, anybody could have played that. Like, it's a cardboard cutout of a human being. The only good thing about that movie is Emma Stone. And, like... Yes! She's she's literally the only good thing about that movie. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of uh, not great things. I I thought Catch and Release was very bad. I was like, what is this movie doing? Yeah, I didn't... That was the other thing. More than... um, more than anything else, I think since Jim Carrey, there were so many that I decided not to rewatch. I saw Catch and Release years ago and hated it. I had not seen um, it. I was, I know she's good in Dallas Buyers Club, but I was never going to rewatch that movie. I know she's good in The Kingdom. The Kingdom's a movie I hate. Um, I watched The Kingdom and I was like, oh, this is, this, yeah. is, this is all it is. I thought, like, I thought we were going to solve, like, nope, they just no. want to, I, it was weird. Yeah. I will say I, I enjoyed more than I didn't. Um, but they're certainly, um, the ones that I didn't. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty, I, I think I probably enjoyed less than I thought I would, but I, yeah, the ones that were bad were very, very bad. Oh, really quickly. Men, women, and children. Oh, men, women, and children. Yeah. How did we. Uh, spe- speaking of, me- speaking of movies I also thought were like an unintentional parody. Yeah. That movie is, I, yeah. I was like, uh, when I saw like the credits and like, I saw that Emma, um, Thompson, right? Yeah. Is on, I was the like, narration, yeah. Well, I thought she was in the movie, and I was like, oh, she's just doing narration? Like, yeah. how dare? Um, and, and I was like, what the fuck is this movie about? And I, I guess they're talking about communication. And, right, and it, and it makes me upset because I feel like Jason Reitman has actually some interesting things to say right? Um, as a director, and that movie does not present... And that was like a one-two punch for him because he also did the movie Labor Day the year before that, which was a huge disaster for him. And yeah, it's it's a it's a like um, a movie about all these different parents and their children, and like the relationships between the parents and, and communication. The rela- yeah, and, Judy like, Greer's also in this. With Judy Greer actually gets probably the best storyline in the movie. Yeah. Like when when that like I thought it was still like fucking weird, fucking weird, but like the way it played out, I was like that's slightly more interesting than anything else. But there's like one of the kids who's like a 15 year old who can't 
think about sex without, without I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's like he, he essentially he's watched so much porn yeah. that he can only get off by like being dominated. Right. And the hottest girl in school wants right. to date him, but he's like, can't get it up. And, and then, and it's weird because it like, A, I don't care about 15 year old sex lives, but also B, like, I feel like it places like his need to be dominated is as like a, you are icky yeah. sort of like yeah. and it's just like it's a kink get over it. he'll figure it out he'll get it like right. you know like it was i mean adam sandler jerking off like yeah. i didn't need it um and then poor jennifer garner is playing the like <laughs> super conservative right like, control locks on everything and yeah like, exactly and like, essentially literally she has a line in the movie where her daughter she's like take your phone so i can track you in our state the laws are far more lenient than they should be they are. Yeah. Uh, if someone is sending photos to your daughter. Yes, but I'm also actually wondering about if if she were to send her own. Oh, I see. Like, if she were to take a picture of herself in a bathing suit. Before you go, I want to give you a pamphlet about the dangers of selfies. But yeah. But I so think that's, that's I, I think that's the, the yeah, the final nail for Jennifer Garner. Uh, uh, so let's move into our fast forward. She's having a, a thank God for Love Simon. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's having a good year. She's having a year of stuff. Um, <laughs> like, she did Love Simon earlier this year, and she, again playing a mom. Um, I mean, I guess both of her roles this year are moms. Um, to look forward to though, she has a um, HBO series coming out this yes. fall um, called Camping. Camping, uh, where she plays. It's a she... remake of a British show. Yeah, and she's the wife of um, David Tennant. David Tennant, and she's essentially planned a birthday party for him that is camping. It's a it's a like destination birthday party, but she's super duper uptight. Hi, checking in for board night. It's Walt's 45th birthday soiree. Yeah. This is going to be so fun. You know what? It may not be fun. It may not be any fun at all. Right. And I'm excited to see her. It does, it does look funny. There is a trailer out. I'm excited yeah. to see her back in a comedy because I think she is underutilized in that realm. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited to see that. It's executive produced by Lena Dunham, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, I So... Uh, I mean, that's really the big thing that's coming up for her. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple voice work. She actually uh, just did voice work as Mama Llama on uh, Llama Llama for Netflix. Thank God. Um, and uh, I will say, I, what, I don't know what I was watching, but I realized I was like, Jennifer Garner does have a voice that's very specific. Yes. And um, I think it's quite soothing. And uh, uh, yeah, no, I really do like her. It's funny. I was listening to Pandora because I'm an old man mm-hmm. the uh, the other day and Capital One commercials came up in between and I was just like, I really like her voice. Jennifer Garner has a great um, voice. But I, I will say this in terms of talking about her career, about what we want. And um, I mentioned earlier, I think Juno was both, both a blessing and a curse. I think it it's a really great performance and did a lot for her career. However, I think because of that, she's basically had to suffer through so many uptight mom roles. Right. And, like, that's one of the things Alexander didn't, didn't work for me because it was just uptight mom. Um, the, like, Butter, she she's not a mom, but she's, like, really uptight, Sarah Palin-y. Right. Sort of. And uh, uh, same thing, men, women, and children. And I, you see this reoccurring thing, and I just, I don't want to see Isn't it anymore. Isn't that the thing else? Even Wakefield, and at the even, beginning, yeah. it's like, she's like... Um, and 
Uh, And that's why I'm nervous about camping because like, I'm, I'm happy to see her do like really like, I don't like this and things need to be more orderly again. But like at the same time, I don't like, that's all I feel like I see her do anymore. I'm hoping though the camping, because it's a comedy, it'll be able to like take the piss out, you know, a little bit and kind of show another um, shade of it. And it's not just like, I'm so serious and this is why, and this is blah, blah, but able like in this, the context of comedy, um, because Again, she is very funny. She and, is very funny, and yeah. like all of her interviews, and she's got great timing. Like, yeah. the, you know, I mean, and the, you, thirteen going on thirty speaks to that. Clearly, I don't want to see her go the alias route again because, like, peppermint. I thought peppermint was was disaster. And normally, we'd be talking about peppermint in our fast forward, fast forward, but like, it's very rare that I pick the latest <laughs> movie. But uh, yeah, the but I guess like I do. I don't know. I want to see her do something more engaging. Even if she did do something more like Thirteen Going on Thirty, but like successfully and not catch and release style, you know, or or Ghost of Girlfriends Pass. Ghost of Girlfriends Pass, man. There's yeah. like it's not even that good of an idea. Like it's such a played with, but like there's so much potential there, and I feel like they just took the wrong right turn. I mean, well, that time. was when Matthew McConaughey was like yeah. just doing the same movie over and over. Yeah, again, yeah, that was the, that was the that was the end of his career before the reconnaissance right. brought him back. You know, and I think like Jennifer Garner needs something like that to happen also because I think she's so fucking talented and yeah. so good. And again, like her smile cry thing, yeah. like, um, and it, you know what, you you know what, well, you know what, Gavin. Fucking um, Jennifer Lawrence is stealing all of her roles. Yeah. And if Jennifer Garner could have played all, any of these roles that are age appropriate for her yeah. and not Jennifer Lawrence trying to age up to right. be like a She 30- could have did Red Sparrow, which was a movie yes. Jennifer Lawrence did this year that like I didn't love, but like Jennifer Garner could have played that role. She could have yeah. done Joy. She could have yeah. done like American Hustle. Like, and, and what's wild is that like Jennifer Garner is... She's 46, is that right? Yeah. She's 46, so... She's fun. young. Yeah. She's real young. But also, she's young, but also, she doesn't look 46. Right. And she's still gorgeous. Right. Like, it's not like, oh no, she's an aging actress with, like, right. wrinkles showing on her face. Like, fuck, dude, like, if not even Jennifer Garner can get, like, right. really good work. I mean, kind of the same thing, I guess, happened to Jennifer Aniston, who ended up having to make her own movie, like, Cake, which yeah. I thought was very good, but... Couldn't even get a distributor. Had to make up her own distribution company to right. get, get it out into the world. And it's just like, fuck. And so I... If Jennifer Garner could somehow um, attach herself to, like, the Reese Witherspoon, yeah. uh, Big Little Lies crowd to gets a project for her going yeah. that's I mean that's definitely like I feel like I perhaps haven't said this and like I feel like whoever is in charge of her career or even if it's her because we don't know as much about right. like like not like with Sandra Bullock or or Jane Fonda or like people that are or even Michael Douglas who were like really early on got control of their career and like moved it steered it into a direction um, they're not making the best choices for her right. they're not making the best like of interest sort and of she doesn't seem to like care yeah i wonder i mean clearly she's taken the more uh you know eva longoria um jessica alba route where it's like they're more lifestyle brand yeah. celebrity stuff um which I, I i think which is a shame because i think jennifer garner is a better actress than both of those women though, um, I, though I do like eva longoria but that's i like a eva longoria story. a lot yeah, yeah. she's my corpus christi cream yeah but like and she's so fucking funny but i think Jennifer Garner has so much to offer. I mean, right. it's just like, you you don't, you don't get to be an actress and have iconic roles like Juno and 13 Going on 30 and, and Alias 
and not be fucking good at what you do. Right. You know, it's like, there, you can be lucky and get one good thing, right? But, like, to have multiple things happen, it's like, she knows what she's doing. And so I, I wonder if it's just part of her being, like, I mean, Peppermint looked like it a lot of work, um, just as far as, like, the fighting and all that, so... Maybe that's her hinting, being like, okay, I'm ready to, like, my kids are a little bit more right. grown up, and I can commit to doing a little bit more complicated or lengthy work, but fuck, I would just, like, love her to, you know, because even, like, like I said, Hilary Swank, even Hilary Swank, who hasn't been working as much, she's still working and right. doing, like, you know, weird kind of uh, complicated movies. You think about um Natalie Portman, yeah. you know? I think Jennifer Garner could be in the same lane um, but I think because she's been saddled with this mom <laughs> role, it's like yeah. she can't escape the minivan majority. She really can't. It's almost it's a, like it's a blessing and a curse. It's yeah. almost like she can only make Hollywood thinks that she can only make movies for yeah. boring Midwestern white people. And I'm sorry, all you Midwestern white people, but like you know who I'm talking about, right? It's it's uh, you know moms and people who are like because yeah. I think Peppermint is very that. It's like. Oh, like, what an easy, digestible story that I don't have to think too hard about. Right. Um, it's, but it's yeah. the, it's the problem with the ones that you don't have to think too hard about. Mm-hmm. It always is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, I want so much for her. I didn't, I, re- I didn't realize it until like we, I really started in her. You, you want so much. And I think she could be doing so much more in terms of like her career. And I think that's really where the, where the divide comes in, where like, I don't know. I, I like, I think if she, I think she could have a better career if she wants it. She needs to put that that agency that she's put elsewhere into her lifestyle brand right. and everything and, and make it into... Because I don't think she's untalented. And I don't want anybody to walk away with Gavin being like, Gavin was so negative on this episode for being like, you know... But I, I do think she has a lot of talent. I just don't think she exercises it that much. And like you said, Peppermint looks like a lot of work went into like getting into the fighting shape. But like... That's where all the energy went, and that's, you know... Right. I Oh, they're here to lock me up. So right, they're like, fuck you, Gavin. Yeah, um, yeah I, don't, I, I like Peppermint more than you did. And I will say that there is a contingency of gays on Twitter who are, like, obsessed with Peppermint. Wow. So, well, I mean, they can have So it. I'm having a meeting with them right exactly. now. Exactly. Uh, oh, young Republicans? <laughs> Got it. Okay. Disgusting. Disrespectful. <laughs> all over this uh, episode. Slander. But, uh... I guess that wraps up our uh, Jennifer Garner. Yeah. If we, you know, feel free to tell us your thoughts. Uh, you can find us online at, at The Mixed Reviews on Twitter. We're at The Mixed Reviews on Facebook. And, like, let us know, what did you think about Peppermint? Yeah. You can also email us if you want to write a longer review at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. And we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. <laughs> you can uh, listen to us anywhere, yeah, guys. Google Play Music. If you are a listener on iTunes and or Stitcher, please leave us a rating and review, preferably a positive one. It helps other people find us, and we want to be friends with everyone. We sometimes howl at the moon our right. episodes. Like, woo, just listen, just listen very intently. Exactly. That's this for this week, and uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with a brand new subject. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>